Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 241. This week, we're talking with Caleb Townsend about faith in the workplace. You got to be honest, like daily and say, I'm not very good at this. Like, I need Jesus to guide me every step of the way. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome to the show. We provide ways for you to hear messages, make connections, and take action. And it is not all about this show either. I would love to see more podcasts out there focused on missions, church planting, missional living, that kind of thing. If you'd like to get one started, send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com and we'll see if there's something that I can do to help you. This week, we are going to be talking about addressing fear, looking for ministry opportunities, and the value of sharing our faith in the workplace. I'm also going to have for you seven resources to fuel your mission's prayer fire. That'll be at the end, so I would recommend that you stick around for that. That's actually a resource that's been provided by one of you, and I want to take the opportunity to highlight that. I'd like to say welcome to Jacob, Michael, another Jacob, and Silas, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. Welcome. It's great to have you connected. I look forward to connecting with you a little bit more. Before we get to our time with Caleb this week, I do want to also mention that it is survey time. I'm working on the content for next year, and this is your chance to let me know how I can serve you better and how I can make the show better. If you've ever found yourself thinking, I really wish he would finish this, or I really wish I could skip this and go on to the next section because it is so annoying. Or if you've felt yourself thinking, I really wish he would have gone deeper in that, or I really wish he would have covered this topic. Now is your chance to let me know what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see, and and even more than that, how I can serve you better. No pressure, no sales pitch. The podcast is free and the survey is free, but I would love to hear from you so that I can serve you better. Tap or swipe in your favorite podcast app and click the link so that you can fill out that survey. It's just a few questions long. It'll take you right to a Google form. Or if you really prefer to type that in, go to engagingmissions.com slash 2018 survey. That's engagingmissions.com 2018 survey. I need to have those responses by the middle of November so that I can start prepping for some of that. I've already got a few things recorded and I want to make sure that I get focused on what's serving you the best as quickly as possible next year. I really look forward to hearing from you. And with that, we're going to go straight to our time with Caleb. All right. Today we have with us Caleb Townsend. He's a business person who's passionate about discipleship and about living out the Great Commission, both at work and in his neighborhood. Caleb, welcome to the show. All right, Brian. Good to be here. 
So we chatted a little bit before we got on online, you know, just kind of connecting. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was that you were passionate about discipleship because of what another Christian leader did for you. Can you share with us that story? Yeah, yeah. And really, it's just just my testimony. And I grew up in a Christian home, but really from 15 to 25, I was I was pretty filthy and I was far from God. I would have told people that, you know, hey, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus and all that stuff. But man, you would not want, <laughs> you would have not wanted to follow me during the, those times. <laughs> but there came a point in my life, and it was about December 2007. It's either 2006 or 2007. And I just made a decision. I was like, I'm done with this, God. I'm done doing my own thing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to mm. do it your way. And shortly after that, a couple of people in my life, including my sister and my girlfriend started praying, who's now my wife, started praying for me to get a mentor. And through a business meeting, I met a guy that just really was intentional with me. And we got together afterwards and and I kind of told him the spot I was in that, man, I, I you know, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't really know how to be a Christian. <laughs> I don't really know what it means to follow Jesus. And I need help to do that. And he said, I'm involved in a group, an organization that that's, that's exactly what we do. Hmm. So a couple more introductions, I was introduced to somebody named Gary Kirschman. And so Gary was a staff member of a company called CBMC, which is a Christian businessmen's connection Hmm. that really promotes discipleship in the workplace. But Gary's discipled me over the last 10 years. And we used to meet monthly and I'm sorry, we used to meet weekly. Now it's oh. more monthly or just more check-ins. But all along that time, you know, he just listened and asked really good questions. And we'd study different books and we'd study the Bible. And of course, but mainly what he did was what's described in Proverbs 25, that though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Mm. So you know, though we have good intentions when we interact with other people, someone with understanding, someone with understanding will get you to discover it on your own. And the Holy Spirit is part of that process. But as I describe that, I'm just describing how Gary invested in me. And so that's where that passion for discipleship has come. Wow. I, I like that. You know, as you were sharing that story, I was a bit surprised because the thing that stood out to me was that that moment of transparency, that moment of honesty where you, you said to somebody who you didn't even know, hey, <laughs> I don't even know how to how to live like a Christian. And that began that journey. Have there been other times in your life where there was a moment of honesty that led to growth or led to fruitfulness? Yeah, it, you know, it's funny you say that because I'll go, going back to that, there's a little bit of like pride in that though too as well, because I had, God had plenty of Christians in my life. It wasn't like I didn't already have access to the resources, but I was ashamed. And so I wanted somebody I didn't know. So maybe you could compliment me on that, but also there was a lot of pride (laughs) I could get through. So I just want to make sure I'm clear there, you know, that, you know, for the most part, it was, it was all about trying to find somebody that, that I knew wouldn't judge me and, and I wouldn't feel as ashamed to share, you know, my filthiness with. Wow. 
What was the question? That, that, that was, <laughs> I, had to well, back to I, that. I was asking about, you know, if there have been other times that, that that kind of honesty has had led to more fruitfulness or more growth. Yeah. And I think it's, it's as you become more of a kingdom worker that when you're investing in other people, you just realize like you need to lean on other kingdom workers and you need to, uh, you need to be connected to them to realize that like, you're just not going to figure it all out on, on your own. Mm. And, and then I think just as a, as a follower of Jesus in general, right, you got to be honest, like daily and say, like, I'm not very good at this. Like I need mm. Jesus to, to guide me every step of the way and, and to abide in him. So thinking about that experience, it's very clearly impacted your heart and impacted the course of your life. I, I think for the better, as you look at, look back over your life, are there any other turning points that have really shaped what you're doing and how you're doing it? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was in college, I, I was a engineering student and I was doing really bad <laughs> at it. And I was, my gifts are not to be an engineer. So I don't even know how I made it to that point. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, I was, I was, I was drinking a lot at that point in my life. And so my grades were really bad. So into my sophomore year, there was, there's little to no hope for my life at that point. And I got a phone call from a guy, his name's Josh Tillman. Mm. And he called me about doing a summer internship. So my first response, and this, you, 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 nobody's going to believe this, but my first response to him was, yeah, my grades typically aren't good enough for a summer internship. <laughs> so <laughs> in hindsight, now I'm an employer, you know, that's yeah. not something you tell to somebody. That's not the first impression you want to give. But Josh must have been pretty desperate because he said, that's okay. Just, you know, come to this call out tomorrow. Mm. And so for whatever reason, I agreed to do it. And this, this is a secular business. So it's, it, but I feel like God's finger, fingerprints were all over it. Mm. But I got recruited and I agreed the following day to basically sell books door to door for a company that's based out of, of Nashville there, your neck of the woods. Oh yeah. And so I ended up doing that for three years and it really changed my life in terms of like who I was, what I was created to do. And, and I was created to be, you know, a salesperson, a business person. I was never going to make it as an engineer. So that was like a crazy turning point in my life. And, and, and yeah, it wasn't like a spiritual transformation. There was a little bit of that, but it was more kind of set me up for being able to accept a spiritual transformation just because I had one thing in my life that I kind of figured out that I, I was just lost before. Hmm. That, that, that's interesting. As I think about where you are right now, you had some engineering experience, you had some sales experience. Now you're, you are working professionally with other professionals. H have you found or, or how have you found that God has brought all of the different things from your past together to make it one cohesive whole? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question because I grew up, my, my dad was an engineer, so that's why I went into engineering ah. school. And then, so I had a couple of years and, you know, learned CAD and learned formulas and stuff like that, that I can't do anymore. Mm. But uh, <laughs> now I am in manufacturing and I'm working, I've been in sales and manufacturing where I've had to understand CAD and, you yeah. know, engineering formulas and stuff like that. Not understand to the fact I need to do it but I need to be able to understand it to articulate it and 
better describe to other people what, you know, just the whole manufacturing process and things. So even though that was a mistake, and you know, I've heard before that God works with your mistakes, right? So maybe, maybe that was the plan all along that I had to go through a couple years doing what I wasn't supposed to do just to plant a seed within me that better positioned me professionally later on in my life. Yeah. As I think about your heart for discipleship, it would seem like a lot of times somebody who has a heart to help other believers grow, to bring them into a deeper relationship with Christ, the the first response is, well, I must be called to professional ministry. That That's not what you're doing. How did How did it become clear to you that the way you were supposed to work this out was in the marketplace? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, and it's awesome that we have Jesus and Paul as examples, right? Because Jesus had a funded ministry and Paul funded his own ministry through, you know, his tent making business. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just, God gives us what we need. And I, I just love how we have both those examples. It's never really been a thought for me to go into public ministry because in, you know, in the marketplace, you have access to people. And I just feel like I have been given skills and abilities to run a business and especially in the kind of sales arena. And because what I do is I work with business owners and salespeople in the manufacturing supply chain. And and one of the main deliverables is we have networking groups Hmm. where companies will help each other find new customers but this has just uniquely positioned me in the lives of individuals within these companies that I we can get to know them on a personal level. It, it, it's kind of the way we have structured our business that we get to know each other on a personal level. And I say each other, our, our members. And that just gives us access to people that aren't just going to walk into a church and say, hey, what do you got? <laughs> you know, so we we get a get to know people and learn what's important to them and, you know, where they're at spiritually. I, I like that. And, you know, as I think about that, part of your heart is also for discipleship within your community, within your neighborhood, your your neighbors, that kind of thing. Is there a difference in how you approach discipleship in a professional setting versus the the neighbor right next door or perhaps across the street? Yeah, so I think the neighborhood initiative is it's it's more convenient right Mm. but on the surface is more convenient because it's like literally your neighbors right it's people you're going to interact with on a daily basis but you know as i say that though the marketplace is really convenient too Mm -hmm. maybe even more convenient because these are the people you're talking to all day and you're having lunch with and you're having coffee and meetings with so it's not that different i guess maybe the the neighborhood would be more family oriented in the in the marketplace. It's more one on one because I don't necessarily get to know their spouses and mm. kids as you do in, in the neighborhood. What does the regardless of the context? What what does that discipleship look like? Are there frameworks that you use? What are you doing when you're discipling people? Yeah, so I'm big on just studying the the Word of God with people, mm. and so like the Book of John. That's that's one of my go-tos. It's like, hey, let's let's study the Book of John together. It is sometimes I've I've asked people, and and one of my favorite kind of it's a little snarky, but <laughs> one of my favorite ways I've when I've talked to people who are like, 
you know, ah, yeah, I, Jesus is definitely real, but you know, he wasn't the son of God and, and all this stuff. And I, I seem to run into a lot of people that follow this new heaven and new earth philosophy. There's an author that I, I can't think of right now, but there's a lot of, a lot of people I run into that are kind of engineering mindset, follow this guy. And, and then when I dive in, they've never really investigated Jesus for themselves. Mm. It's only Eckhart Tolle is the, the author. They've, they've never really investigated Jesus for themselves. They've only really just grabbed pieces from what this guy Eckhart Tolle says. And I read one of his books and, it, and you know, it, it's not really f- full of hope. And so I'll tell people, I was like, hey, you know, you, you owe yourself to be an even more informed non-believer. And <laughs> why not learn about Jesus from, you know, probably his best earthly friend in, in John. Hmm. And so that's one of the tools I've used. There's a CBMC has a discipleship program called Operation Timothy. That's something I used before. But for the most part, it's it's just it's the Bible. And the Bible is, is all we, we need. And, and there's other great resources, other great things to do. But And what I've found too, Brian, I guess when studying the Bible with people, that there's always like something within when you're studying the Bible with somebody that, that kind of sets up the next step. Mm. It's like, oh, you know, now we need to read about the woman at the well, or, you know, we really need to read about creation, or we really need to read about, you know, Paul's story in the book of Acts, or we need to read Romans. You know, so it always just seems to just flow. And I think that's the way God uses the word. Like it's it's a breathing instrument in people's lives. Wow. As you're thinking about that, you know, you you likely interact with quite a number of people because of your your work, especially in terms of networking, things like that. How do you yeah. how do you decide which people you're going to invest the most heavily in? That's good. I wish I had a formula. I wish I would have learned that back in engineering school. It's like, you know, <laughs> engineering school numbers, but, and I've learned that people aren't projects too, right? Yeah. I, I had somebody ask me that one time. Is that my project of yours? I don't think that's a compliment. Mm. Probably not. <laughs> but, yeah. And I, I've got a good relationship with that person, but I would say that it's just prayer, right? Mm. It's, it's, you know, hey, this person's coming to my life. I think the Holy Spirit prompts you. I think there's some things that are just obvious that, you know, I was having lunch with with somebody last fall that I, I wasn't even really thinking. I wasn't praying for him before the meeting. You know, I, I didn't really go into it with a, a, any kind of discipleship mindset. It was just, oh, this is one of my members. I want to get to know them better. But then he started opening up about his family. Mm. And there was just a ton of brokenness there. And inside, I could just see like just an awesome heart too. I was, and so, you know, that became somebody that I was able to, you know, share the gospel with. And then, you know, we've been meeting ever since. I I like that. One of the reasons I asked is because a few days ago I had somebody else and we were talking about discipleship and there, there was a very specific thing that he did it's basically, you know, the the discipleship model that he was following was based on obedience. And he's like, you know what, if they won't obey this, then there's no point in going beyond because they're not going to do the do anything with it. So that's part of why I was asking is just to see if, you know, see, see about that mindset. I'm also wondering, and I'll just kind of speak from my personal experience. You know, sometimes I know people for a really long time and we never get 
to a spiritual conversation. And I feel like sometimes there's a certain amount of inertia that has to be overcome or there has to be some kind of shift in the relationship Mm -hmm. to allow it to go forward. Have you found any keys to kind of shifting the nature of your relationship without it being weird? Wow, that's really good. Yeah, because I've I've, I've, I've said what you just said. I haven't articulated it as well as you just did, but it seems like once you like the deeper you get into a relationships, if it's established on things that don't have any faith component, it's how do you, how do you shift back to that? Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the question. And man, I wish I was better at this. I I guess the, the thing that comes to my mind is and I, and as I'm thinking now, I have been able to do this with a couple people, but if there's some kind of impending event in that person's life, and I was trained with this, you can, it, it's so easy to, to ask somebody, can I pray for you about that? Hmm. And that could just open up the door because as one of my friends has, has kind of trained me, there's like red light, yellow lights and green lights. Right. right. And when you kind of just weave in Christian, you know, weave in faith and conversations, they're going to give you red light, green lights, and yellow lights. And when you get the the green lights, you know, that's God giving you an opportunity to, to breathe truth into someone's life. Have you ever had to rem- remind yourself that receiving a, a red light isn't actually about you? And, and how did you, how did you bring that back around? Yeah, it's good. I mean, for whatever reason too, like people want to avoid having to do spiritual things like in the church. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'll work in the, I'll work in the, I'll change diapers in the, in the nursery and, you know, I'll shovel snow for the, at least the churches in the North, you know, I'll, uh, (laughs) I'll go do landscaping. I'll go, you know, I'll go, you know, rake leaves at the old lady from the church's house, but it's like, Oh no, I don't want to have to share the gospel. So it's like, uh, sometimes I guess red lights can almost be like, oh, shoo, I'm off the hook here, right? Oh, but I guess you just re- if it's a red light now, it's not a permanent red light, right? I mean, going deeper with this analogy mm. too, that traffic lights don't always stay red, right? I mean, they're they'll 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 change, and and so everybody's read a story, and in Bill Hybels' book, Just Walk Across the Room, he's got a great story of somebody he invented. It took years. And it was like on his on this person's deathbed, like by blinking, they accepted Christ mm. because they couldn't even speak anymore, something like that. And it took Bill Hybels years of investing in this person. And so, you know, and, and, and when we look at the life of Jesus, and I think that's where it all starts, right, is look walking the way Jesus walked and, and studying his life and, and learning from it. You know, we don't know all the background. How long did Jesus invest in Matthew before Matthew started following him? Like yeah. we don't we don't know those things. Was he planting seeds with with Peter throughout his life? Was he connected to some of these guys? That I truly believe that Matthew, and I think you can you can misinterpret one of the gospels where it's like, yep, he just left his booth and then, you know, there's like money on a table or something like that. You know, people envision it like the first time Jesus walks up to him, you know, Matthew's like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm following. Hmm. No, like Jesus invested in Matthew's life. And that was the moment that he just, Jesus must've felt prompted like Matthew, it's time. And Matthew equally would have been prompted to say, you know, I need to follow this guy. Hmm. That, that's 
That's that's really good. As you think about those kinds of experiences, the, speaking specifically of discipleship relationships and you know, ha- having some of those, I would imagine sometimes there are heartbreaks that you invest in people and to use the visual of the four fields, some people are hard soil, some people are, are good yep. soil. How do you deal with those times when, when things don't go the way you'd hoped? Yeah, I like the heartbreaks too, because if we have a heart for people, right, it's, it's going to hurt if they don't, if they don't become radically passionate about Jesus. And so, yeah, I've had those. I think the most heartbreaking thing is when they don't invest in other people. Mm. Like at, at some point you see that, like, like it just appears and maybe that's just my flesh and, and maybe I need more, more patient with certain people. But at some point you just get the feeling like they're only going to be a taker. Mm. Like they're never going to invest. I'm going to go back a little bit to something you said before about, you know, how do you choose to invest in people? I, I will go through a couple different verses, Malachi 1.11, Matthew 28.18-20, and then 2 Timothy 2.2. And I'll go through, the. I'll study that with with people early and when I'm walking alongside them and, and just kind of paint a picture of like, you know, this is why I feel really passionate about this. And I'll tell them my story, but I also kind of want to get them to commit. And that sounds kind of formal and it's, it's not as, as formal maybe as I'm describing it, but I really want to get them to commit to like, you're going to do this too. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to invest in you. And as a result, you know, you're going to want to share what Jesus has done in your life with other people as well. And again, as I'm describing this, I'm, I'm almost like I'm like hammering on them and it, it's, it's much more relational when I'm doing that. But back to the heartbreaks. Yeah. I mean, people disappoint you, you know, and I've disappointed people. Hmm. So I, I think you just have to be patient. You have to love people right where they're at and then patience, be patient with people. And I have met with people that I've shared certain stories and actually I've got a good one here I can share. Yeah that recently I had a guy that I've known for a long time and and he just kind of came back in my life. And he was one of those guys I said, Hey, let's just study the, the book of John. You, you know, you owe it to be a more informed non-believer. And, and so I could just see God working in his life. And he's just crazy open to really deep conversations. And then through some other events, he, was connected to some other Christians as well. And by the way, I always pray that people will get connected to other Jesus crazy Christians. And so he was, he was attending a church and randomly one Saturday I get a text and he said, dude, I got baptized today. (laughs) Wow. And uh, I was like, okay. (laughs) And then it was funny because shortly after that, one of my colleagues, texted me a picture. He said, I think so-and-so just got baptized today. And he sent me a picture. And so I sent him the picture and he goes, how did you get that? Wow. I said, I know people everywhere. <laughs> and so, this, uh, so anyway, but shortly afterwards, I got together with him and, and I wasn't really sure like what, you know, just cause you got baptized. Did you say, you know, Jesus, you're my boss and, you know, I give my life to you. And so I wanted to kind of, I want to hear more of that. And I, I talked to a friend and I said, you know, what, what's something you think 
would be good to share with this this individual. And he recommended the prodigal son story. Mm. And this the prodigal son story is a great story of it, it's kind of Jesus's gospel presentation in a way yeah. about you know the the love of the father and the forgiveness. So we read that story together over lunch, and I was shocked by what he shared. But he said, like, I identify with the older son. Wow. Like this, he hated this story, and he had heard it before, and. He said, like, I've always done things right. And to me, the older son gets screwed because the 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 prodigal son is going to come back and get the the half of the half, right? He's going to get a fourth of the estate now. And and we don't know that, right? Right. And, and it's a it's a parable. But so anyway, I left pretty discouraged. And so fast forward, we met actually just yesterday. And and we were having a really good conversation. He goes, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that, that parable. And I said, tell me more. <laughs> and he goes, I really, I really approached this wrong. And, and he's a business person. I'm a business person. And so he used some kind of business person wording. He said, I was, I, I have struggled in my life with an abundance mentality. Oh yeah. And wow. He says, I think the older son struggles with an abundance or with a scarcity mentality. Mm -hmm. He said, I, let me rephrase that. My friend said, I have struggled with a scarcity mentality, much like the older son. And, and I'm just like, let him talk yeah. <laughs> as, as he's going here. And, and he, and then he just described more what he meant by that. And then I said, well, what is abundance? What is the access of abundance that the older son and you have? And he just beautifully described God's grace. Mm. And so it was a heartbreak for me the first time, you know, here he's coming off of getting baptized and potentially making, you know, a decision to follow Jesus mm -hmm. and then saying, I hate the prodigal son story. Yeah. <laughs> and the father in the story who we know is, you know, representing God, the father, you know, is a bad guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But then he just, and I know the Holy Spirit's been working on him, but then he just totally shifts it. And uh, he makes the prodigal son story even more beautiful than, than the way, any way I've ever read it. Mm. So patience, yeah, got to work with patience and you'll be, you'll be heartbroken when you're, when you're investing in people, it's messy. Right. Yeah. And it was messy for Jesus, but we got to be patient and, and do the work. Wow. I, I, I like that. I, I kind of relate with his perspective sometimes being, well, <laughs> at one yeah, time or another, I feel like I've been every character in that story, except for the father, <laughs> the, the older son, the younger son, the townspeople, you know, <laughs> pretty much everybody, but the father, um, but as your kids get older, you're going to be the father though, right? <laughs> well, yeah. In, in their lives, maybe not in the same sense, but Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's uh, it's hard to figure out where to go after going that deep in, in something, you know, as, as we kind of start to turn a corner and focus more on our listeners, I'm wondering, you know, some, sometimes there are workplaces that have policies in place that say what you can and can't do everything from social media to what you can share in the office. And it seems like sometimes there might be a bit of fear in terms of stepping out and sharing faith in, in the workplace. Do you have anything that you could share with us about 
how to approach that kind of thing. Yeah, that's great. And my story there will be more, won't be as personal because mm. I own my own company and, you know, we, we pray <laughs> as a company, but you know, I have friends in those situations and, and I guess if you look through history, the gospel of Jesus spreads among persecution, right? And mm. Paul went into areas where, you know, they didn't really want Jesus to be talked about. Jesus went into areas that people didn't want to talk <laughs> yeah. have him talk about himself. But in those situations, I, I still think lunch conversations, you know, you may not be able to have a Bible study in the conference room at lunch, mm-hmm. but when you're out to lunch with people, you can ask to pray for people. You can ask like, hey, what's important in your life? You can get to know people on a personal level. And then if if there are red or green lights, yellow lights, you know, we can, we can ask people like, Hey, would you, would you want to learn more about Jesus with me? Would you want to study the book of John? You can ask to just pray for people when, you know, aunt Betty has cancer and you know, their, their, their kid got a bad grade on a test. You know, the, the things that people share with their colleagues, you know, you can ask to pray. So yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little tougher. You can't be as public about it, but there's still opportunities to get in each other's lives. Yeah, totally. And you know what? It, it just occurred to me that we never really defined red light, green light, yellow light. My, my understanding is red light is a spiritual conversation. No way. Yellow light is, well, not just yet. And green light is, yeah, let's, let's talk about Jesus. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I, I probably haven't, I, I didn't do a good job there, but yeah, green light would be almost more going directly into a gospel presentation. Okay. And, and I love the three circles you know, I know that some people use the bridge presentation and, you know, the story of the prodigal son mm-hmm. can be a gospel presentation. But I would say when you are interacting with people on, on that level, it's like green light, share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And then if it's yellow light, hey, would you want to learn more? Okay. That's more like study the Bible with me. Red light's like, let's punt and, you know, come back to this another day when when we feel prompted. Oh, that, that's good. And, and if somebody is in the marketplace, maybe they're in the neighborhood and they're going, man, I just, I really feel like God is calling me to step into this as part of the Great Commission. What would you suggest they do first? Yes, just just start praying and spend time with the Lord and read, this is going to sound kind of strange, read the harmony of the Gospels and just look at Jesus's life and how he went about things Harmony being the chronological order of the Gospels, you you know Google it. You can find it on Amazon. It, it it's it's it just it just organizes the Gospels in chronological order, and you can poke holes in that, like you know if it's perfect and all that stuff, and and that's that's fine. But to ask God to put people in your life, like like He has people out there. The women at the well, Jesus. I don't think when He sat down at that well was thinking, I'm about ready to have you know a life changing conversation with somebody. He just sat down at the well and I'm sure that Jesus prayed, mm. you know, put people in, in your life. And, and, and we know he prayed for, for things like that. And Peter tells us, always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have. Yeah. So you got to be prepared. And so being prepared is learning some simple gospel tools. When Jesus sent the 70 out, I'm sure he gave them a little bit of instructions on like, you know, here's how you can kind of, you know, get engaged in the town. And, you know, here's how you can kind of find a place of peace and, 
a person of peace. And here's how you can, when you talk to them, how you can kind of share God's story. I'm sure he just didn't send the 70 out saying, good luck guys. You know, <laughs> that's a great picture. And, and, you know, and, and I, I maybe sound a little too tactical, but you know, Jesus was tactical. Mm-hmm. There was a point in his ministry where he didn't use parables. And then all of a sudden he's using parables and it's pretty effective. We're talking about them now. There will never be a point in history where we don't talk about Jesus' parables, Mm. right? So it's okay to have some tactical things that you can go to when you're interacting with people. Yeah, that's good. As we... As we draw this to a close, I'm thinking, you know, you've you've been incredibly generous. You've shared a lot from your experience, and I really appreciate that. Now kind of turning the tables, how can how can we best pray for you? Oh man, that's awesome. I mean, we really want to create a movement in the, the manufacturing supply chain and and honestly, we've kind of stunk at it. About five I mean, we've made impact and we've changed some people's lives, but it hasn't been a movement, mm. right? And that's only because we've gotten in the way. So I guess it's something that you could pray for me is just kind of clarity in that, that, that movement on how could we impact the manufacturing supply chain through the influence that we have, mm. you know, campus or crew has been able to do that right mm-hmm. in the education community. And I don't even know the founder of crew's name, but like that's a lasting legacy, right? That he has, well beyond his life, like that, that, that legacy will, will go forward. So praying for us would just be clarity of that mission. And then just to ward off the enemy, the enemy, it, it, when, when we prayed for this, this call today, you know, we talked about technology, the enemy really seems to crush our business through technology problems. Mm. There's just certain times that like internally we're like, man, we're under spiritual attack here. Like there's just no other explanation to it. Mm. And so if there's anything that, that, that we ask people for prayers, help, help ward off the enemy from attacking our business. Wow, that, that's good. And, and for those of you that are listening, I would like to, and I do this pretty much every time, I'd like to encourage you to just right now, go ahead and pause this and take a minute to pray for Caleb about, about the technology, about the other pieces, and about that movement. Do, do that now, because I know for me, it's really easy to forget. I think, well, I'll do that when I go to bed. And I don't. So take that minute right now. Take this opportunity to be part of what God's doing in and through Caleb's life as as well. If you're interested in the links that we've talked about, those are available at engagingmissions.com slash Caleb Townsend. Caleb, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for all you do, Brian. This was great. And just want to encourage everybody out there to read the life of Jesus and try and start just investing in people just like he did, and living out the Great Commission. I mentioned at the top of the show that I was going to have for you a resource. Really, it's a list of seven resources, seven resources to fuel your prayer fire. This was suggested by Aaron. So, Aaron, I want to say thank you for bringing this up. This is a really cool resource. It's a website, and it's linked up in the show notes. You'll find it at everywheretoeverywhere.org, but the easiest way to get there is just tap those show notes in your favorite podcast app or swipe however it is that you connect on that app, find the link, and then click on through. This has got some great stuff that I think is worth worth thinking about, especially if you're looking for a way to more more completely engage in prayer, maybe prayer for a particular group of people, 
prayer for a particular organization, something like that. Really good stuff. It has a guide for praying for the Hindu world, a guide for praying for Muslims, for Buddhists. There's a resource called PrayerCast, Operation World, a number of things, even some missions organizations. This is really, I think, a worthwhile thing to check out. I would recommend that you do that. Tap or swipe in your show notes, or if you're on the website, just find that link, click on through, check it out. You might find something that's going to make a difference in your life and make a difference for eternity. And Aaron, one more time, thank you so much for recommending this. I really appreciate it. One more time, a huge thank you to Caleb for being with us, to Aaron for sharing that resource that we have linked up, to Jeff and Gabby for their help in production of the show, and to every one of you who prays for me and prays for us, who provides support and who shares the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to be connected with such an amazing group of people like you are. As a reminder, there is that survey. If you have feedback about things that I can change about the show that would make it better for you, I really want to hear from you. And we've only got a few weeks until that's done. You'll find that along with the resource that Aaron mentioned and ways to connect with our guest linked up in the show notes. Those are at engagingmissions.com slash Caleb Townsend. Or if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, just tap or swipe. All those show notes are right there and you'll find ways to connect and to share and to do all of that stuff right there. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be talking about the Great Commission, some differences between what we often hear is the, in the news and what's actually happening in China and a whole lot more. It was a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy that. If you haven't already, the best way to make sure that you don't get that or don't miss that rather is to get it delivered free to your favorite podcast app by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Just go right there. Subscribe to the show using your favorite podcast app. It'll be delivered to you automatically every time there's a new one, absolutely free. And if you know somebody who you think might benefit from the show, I would really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word. If you can send him an email, talk to him over coffee, send it out on social media, something like that. Anything that you can do to help us connect with people who might benefit from what God's done in the lives of our guests, I would really appreciate it. And I think it would really make a difference for them as well as for you. So I'd really encourage you to do that. And one more time, I'm really looking forward to connecting with you in a couple of weeks. <laughs>